Welcome, Welcome to, to Joy. Joy Story. Story. With Tim and Dan. Oh, I've extended no. the name of the show to Joy Story with Tim and Dan because oh, I'm right. an egomaniac. I mean, you could have checked this out with me, but you've just gone for it. Egomaniacs don't check stuff out with other people. We just go for it. Joy Story with Tim and Dan. Do you think Tim and Dan rolls off the tongue better than Dan and Tim? Well, it's interesting that you put your name first already. You've kind of yeah. done it now. Now, see, because it's the first time it's been said, it's now going to just sound like that's what it is. I you think it, I think it like it sounds better. Tim well, and Dan. You could Dan and Tim. Like... I've got Dan and like Dan and. It's two two sounds that are too similar right next to each other. You need to separate them out. Tim and Dan. Just the fact that you said it first, I don't even think that's the issue. You can't now say like, and here's Deck and Ant. Deck and Ant. Ant and Deck. Yeah, that sounds You can't just switch it up, can you? Also, my logic there didn't make any sense at all because with Tim and Dan, you still have and Dan, like those two similar sounds right next to each other just yeah. at the end rather than at the beginning. That's why your justification was horseshit. Yeah, yeah. Still, it's out there now. Welcome to Joy Story with Tim and also Dan. And also, I've got an also. (laughs) Welcome to Joy Story with Dr. Tim Leeson and some guy named Dan. You've seen him. You know the guy. motherfucker. The guy, he wears a jumper. You know Dan. Don't worry about it. He's not important. (laughs) This is shocking. Um, I was going to say, how's it going? But uh, I know how is it going because we've just been talking for half an hour. It feels quite um, forced to suddenly now go, hi, Dan, how are you? Even though we've, I know how you are. Well, but, um, it was for the sake of the audience. It, it was going better than it is now. Because of my uh, ego mania. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be so bothered with your ego mania if it wasn't at the detriment of me. <laughs> Of your egomania. Yeah. That's the trouble. That's the trouble when you have two egomaniacs. <laughs> Speak for yourself, which you are. Yeah, yeah. I usually do, primarily. <laughs> Speak about myself. Speak for myself. Anyway, welcome to Joy Story. Welcome to Joy Story. Um, I am Tim, and I am coming to this conversation from the point of view of a hospital chaplain, somebody who studied theology, somebody who's into spirituality, but not stupid hoodoo, voodoo, hokum spirituality, real evidence-driven spirituality. Um, Also, as somebody who recently bought himself an electric longboard um, something which I've had for a couple of months now and I've been too embarrassed to tell people about because it feels like a midlife crisis. But uh, it's so much fun, Dan. I love it so much. It's basically a skateboard with a motor. So it's like, how can we make skateboarding even more dangerous? Um, <laughs> and I use it to get to work every day. And sometimes if I'm having a bad day, like anxiety-wise or whatever, I just go out for a ride on it. And I love it. It just really boosts me. I really rate it. Is that what I've seen you on on the social meds? You have. Yeah, I've um, occasionally had little videos of myself on it. 
um go up currently not on the social meets taking a little social meets break um but yeah before christmas i had a few videos that went up i thought um, so and when i saw it i thought oh this must must be something that tim's always done no no it's quite a new thing so i used to be like a little skater boy when i was a teenager never a very good skater boy i couldn't do tricks or anything like that but i could i could make it go do you know what i mean like i could stand on it and steer and get from a to b on it hmm. um and so the longboard is exactly what that's exactly what it's for so it's like you okay. you even if you were able to do tricks on a normal skateboard you couldn't do it to this because it's not shaped in the same way it's just a plank of wood with wheels and a motor okay and um, so it's just for getting from a to b um and for a long time i've been really like to and fro in as to whether this is really cool or really lame and i think the fact that i can do it without falling over gives me a little bit more confidence that maybe it's cool um does, whether whether it's cool or lame, I love it. I mean, we've we've talked about the word lame before, Tim. But um, oh, no. oh, this, I just get in trouble on this podcast. I'm quite an open-minded, inclusive person, but I just feel like a bigot on this podcast. My point really wasn't to say you shouldn't say lame, but you shouldn't say lame. Um, was why so binary? Why does it have to be cool or lame? Why can't it be somewhere in between? Well, I guess, uh, uh, yeah, I guess you, that's very sensible. It probably is somewhere in between, right? That's the reality of it. But I don't know when I'm riding it. When people look at me, are they thinking, wow, get a load of that awesome, righteous brother. Like, <laughs> no, look at him go. I wish I was like him. I hope when I'm 36, I'm as cool as that guy. Or are they thinking, get a load of that 36-year-old on a skateboard. He must have, what does he think? He's 12 years old. What's wrong with him? Um, you've co- created quite an internal narrative for these people that you probably don't know yeah yeah we um, all do that right that's not just me. yeah but you've attached quite a lot of meaning to it <laughs> <laughs> well i haven't really i i genuinely just really enjoy it and Good. i think the the question of whether it's cool or not is definitely secondary to it's just really fun to go fast well i think by introducing yourself in that way you've probably inspired how i might introduce myself now um because i might have something a little similar okay um so i'm dan i uh come to this conversation with the point of view of a psychotherapist of a gay man um and somebody who recently acquired some rollerblades um amazing um uh, my friend Phil gave me these rollerblades. I don't know if Phil would want me to share this story, but like he had them or had some, I think they're these ones or some others, um, when he lived in New York and he never figured out how to stop. So he was just rolling around New York and couldn't stop. Um, <laughs> I hope to not have that. For weeks. <laughs> yeah, just people talked about him. He was in the news. <laughs> they're having to stopped. like, so they're having to drive alongside him to deliver food. <laughs> He's still there now, rolling around. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, um, yeah, he gave me these uh, rollerblades, and I've still not. He, this was a, a couple of months ago now, actually, and I've not used them still. Other than I put them on inside the house just to see that I could still roller skate slash rollerblade, and I was all right. I could stay upright, but I was quite limited in my house. So I want to yeah. find. I'm, I'm trying to find somewhere like a big open car park that nobody's going to be at, where I can just go and. Uh, try them out without feeling embarrassed if I fall over or not. Oh man, come come hang out in uh, in Colchester. I'll bring my skateboard. You bring your rollerblades. And if you embarrass yourself, who gives a shit? Because you don't know anyone in Colchester. 
and I and I wouldn't really mind falling over or not being able to stop in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because my opinion carries very little weight. Well, I think what you've misinterpreted there <laughs> is how safe I would feel with you. Okay. All right. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for clarifying. Rather than your opinion matters not to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, that sounds cool. Though. I'd like to do that. Yeah, genuinely, you should. There's, I found a few little places because I've got a few like local mates who, like, when I told them I got the skateboard, they were like, "Oh, I really want to have a go on it." So I found a few little places nearby me where you can kind of have a go without, you know, in relative privacy, without kind of publicly humiliating yourself, and also in relative safety where you're not kind of on main roads or whatever. Um, That's cool. So, I think yeah. we should, I think we should do that as our next in real life thing. Yeah, let's do it. That'll be fun. Yeah, I really want to do that. I'm looking forward to giving them a go. I um, I used to really like roller skating, and yeah, um, yeah I think I'll be all right. I think I'll be able to move okay. Yeah, um, I'm just not sure about the stopping and the maneuvering. Yeah, yeah, around people and things. <laughs> That's the. I mean, so I, I like I say, I do all right. I can get from A to B on on the on the longboard. Um, and can more or less maneuver in and out of people Though if i'm going through like like there's a little bit on the way to work where there's some bus stops and there's so many people there that i just pick it up and carry it through there because otherwise it'd be a health hazard but stopping is a thing like it's really i mean for one thing if it does if you if it's not electric i just think you can't stop on a longboard right you just got to aim for a bush um <laughs> But uh, with the longboard, you've got, well, I don't know. It's, it seems what to be what physics suggests. Um, but with this, I've got a break. But even that is pretty like precarious because if I have to break suddenly, I'll pull the brake and the board will stop. But I won't because there's nothing yeah. attaching me to the board. Um, See, that's, I'm thinking about that with rollerblading. I can't remember how to stop or ice skating or anything. I'm sure it is about like putting your foot sideways on or something, but then I feel like I would just go over my foot. Well, the cool kids do like a, like a skid, don't they? At the ice rink. The cool kids are like the 15 year old awful kids who like run up to you really fast and then and spray ice on you as they break to I show you how hard I they know, are. I don't know who the cool kids are. Um, I They're know that really I'm cool. Not, They're awful. I know I'm not one of them. Um, and, I don't have the same hang up about looking cool on rollerblades. Oh, no, actually, that's completely bollocks. Because I've already said I want to find a car park that is deserted. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I clearly care. <laughs> um, yeah, we can be honest about our hang ups on this podcast. I think. Yeah, I don't think it's about my age though. Um, more about how I suppose how comfortable I am in my own body, perhaps. But I've done a lot this year that would get me more of a comfortable place like dance classes without this year where I, I'm mm. more happy to kind of do things with my body. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, that's who we both are. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the introduction section. Um, <laughs> did I, while you were talking there, did I just catch a little glimpse of uh, Norma the dog in the corner of your screen? She, can you see she's down there? I can't see her now, but there was a moment there where her little head appeared there in the corner. I didn't realize that we were blessed with her company. Norma is with us uh, not only in spirit today, but she is here in body. In body and in spirit, just like Jesus in communion. That's a little theology joke for all my Catholic bros. 
So Norma is here. Um, <laughs> she has a, a new bandana on that she got for Christmas. Nice. What is the bandana got anything on it? It's kind of pink and blue and got a nice pattern on it. It just okay. I just, assumed based on what I know of you that it would have had Jurassic Park or Star Wars or something like that on it. Well, I'm not sure Norma is a Jurassic Park or a Star Wars fan. Whoa. Is that okay? You, do you feel okay about that? Norma is my dog, for anyone listening, and just in case <laughs> this might sound yeah, like... I wasn't sure if we'd made that clear. <laughs> <laughs> we could have been talking about a person this whole time. Your um, gran sleeps yeah. on the floor in the corner of your study. <laughs> Norma's here. She's got a new bandana on. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Getting your gran um, a bandana for Christmas. So I'm not sure my boxer dog um, watches... Actually, if I stuck in front of Jurassic Park, she'd probably be responding to dinosaur noises by like head tilts, and she'd look at the screen. Okay, don't think that makes her a fan necessarily. Does she bark when she sees dogs on TV? No, but she does look and tilts her head around. So I've got a friend who has a dog who's the cutest, sweetest dog. Like you know, fluffy little uh, labrad labradoodle. Um, really, really sweet. But if ever a dog comes on TV, the 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 real dog goes absolutely apeshit, like loses oh, wow. her mind. And it's quite funny because she'll be like, she'll be like running back and forth between the TV and her mum, being like, as as if she's going like, look, look, I, I, there's, don't worry, I told him, I told him that you shouldn't be here. I had to go at him, like going back and <laughs> forth. Brilliant. It's quite cute, but also really very frustrating for her mum, I think, who just can't watch any TV shows with animals in it without waking up the entire block of flats. I mean, in real life, Norm has never barked at another dog. Um, she gets barked at and like other dogs make noises at her. She barks a lot at, at us, at me and my husband, like in the house, but she, she's never barked. At a dog, even when she's, oh, really? yeah, she's very quiet with her. I think because she loves dogs so much, she just wants yeah. to play and play and play. So even when they growl or bark in her face, she's still just kind of bouncing around them, wanting to play. Yeah. Um, but she's never barked at a, at a dog. Um, yeah, that's good. Do you know? Um, here's a cat fact. I know you're not a cat person, but as someone who is a cat person, cats only meow for our benefit as humans. They don't meow for each other. Really? Yeah. So they so kittens meow for their like mums for milk or whatever. Um but in the wild, because cats are so like their senses are so like highly attuned, they basically don't need to meow to each other because they will be aware of each other anyway. Mm. And domesticated cats have evolved now to know that they get attention from humans if they meow. And there's certain noises that they make, like there's a certain purr which cats do, which they don't do in the wild at all, but they've oh. learned trigger something in us. So it's like uh, anyone who has a cat will recognize this immediately when I describe it. There's like a squeak, like a high pitched kind of squeaky purr that goes kind of like, like that, um, which they don't do in the wild. And they do it because it does something to our brains that makes us go, oh, so cute and give them attention and food oh. and all that kind of stuff. So they'd be pretty crap at podcasting. Yeah, cats wouldn't be good podcast hosts. They'd just be silent. Yeah. To be honest, I don't think dogs would be good podcast hosts either, but... um, I don't know. They... I'm trying to think now. Would they make noises without humans around? I think they would. I'm not sure making noises qualifies you as a good podcast host. No, but if it was any other dogs listening... 
Oh, I see. I didn't realise we were talking about a podcast for dogs. I thought you just like, meant well, that's what I meant for cats. Like, dog, cats dog cast. Like, they, if they were making a podcast for each other, they wouldn't because they wouldn't make oh, any Oh, I see. I Sorry, didn't realise you were talking about, about... <laughs> I wasn't podcast. clear about the fantasy I was having. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just made me think uh, cats doing podcasts made me think of podcats, made me think of Adam and Joe, made me think of the Adam and Joe Christmas special. And you texted me yesterday to say, remind me on the podcast to talk about the Adam and Joe Christmas special. So this is me reminding you to talk I, about that. I don't know that I meant remind me on the podcast, but like, here we are. And you here we are. On. Did you listen to it all? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It so so Adam and Joe, comedy double act in what, like the 90s, early noughties, um, to like just two silly boys making each other laugh by being silly. Basically that's how you describe their act. I think yeah. I love them. Absolutely great. Joe's Joe Cornish has gone on to become a great film director, done uh, attack the block, the boy who would be King a few other bits and pieces. And Adam Buxton is like a massive podcaster. Now he has a really successful, huge podcast who I think is probably safe to say has influenced this podcast in, in various different ways. Um, yeah. And once a year, they do an Adam and Joe Christmas reunion podcast, which gets released on Christmas Day. Um, and it's very funny. And it made me laugh a lot. Um, I was making me and, piss. You'd make such a good, like, I was going to say news presenter, but like journalist on TV. You do such a good, like, recap just on the spot. On, like, you just, you've got this real ability just to, like, you just did there about Adam and Joe and where they came from, who they both are now. I just, I don't think I can do that. I think that's. I, um, I could only do it about stuff that I care about. Do you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I love Adam and Joe so much. Um, Fair enough. Um, I don't really know what I've got to say. They would just make it, I mean, they always, Adam Buxton always makes me laugh, but like, yeah, yeah, Adam and Joe particularly together. And then this Christmas one, and they were talking about Black Widow, yeah. uh, the <laughs> Marvel movie. And they were just talking, <laughs> they were talking about, who's the actor? Who just Ray, Winston. Ray Winston. Ray Winston. Awful like, Russian accent. Kind of Russian, kind of New York, kind of British Cockney. accent. Cockney, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they were playing clips from it. And I'd never realised that when he's saying, people in in russian <laughs> he just says people <laughs> and it was you're, making me laugh so much yeah yeah you're disgraced um, you're a people, <laughs> you're people. <laughs> and he definitely does say people yeah he really does yeah they played a few clips <laughs> i just so, my favorite thing about that whether it's like their old radio show or their christmas reunion podcast or whatever is just the two of them really cracking each other up. Like that's a thing that always makes me laugh more than it. There's something about listening to people really, really making each other laugh, yeah. which is just one of the best things to listen to. Like it doesn't even matter what the content is, but just somebody who's laughing so hard that they can barely like get a word out. Yeah. It's so contagious. And the two of them do that with each other so much. Well, they um, laugh about things like pee-poo, and that just make them laugh. But, yeah, they, they then get into things that you're not – well, I'm never 100% sure what they're laughing at, but it's so contagious that they are – Yeah, that's right. Each other hysterical. And it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. Well, there's a recommend, There's a Christmas recommendation for our – well, uh, a New Year's recommendation because this comes out on the 3rd of January. So New Year's recommendation is check out the Adam Buxton podcast and particularly the most recent episode – the Christmas yeah, special. Yeah, he needs the listeners. So um, if we can do anything yeah, to help. Yeah, yeah. listen, hey, we, we do what we can to help struggling podcasts <laughs> on uh, with our 50 people a week who listen to this. <laughs> now, if Adam Buxton was able to give us a shout out of our podcast, that would be lovely. Um, I'll, I'll keep trying. Yeah, I, I just, 
yeah, when we get that influx of uh, of listeners, uh, subscribers one time, we'll know Adam Buxton's given us a shout out. That's the dream. That is the dream. Um, okay. So speaking of listeners, speaking of listeners, we had a lovely email that I want to read out. Um, and this email, do you want to remind people of our email address, Tim? <laughs> of course. It's joystorypodcast at gmail.com. I'm not even going to say anything about that. Good. That's um, good. Yeah. That is correct for anyone who doesn't know the running joke that that is the correct email address. Joke's quite a loose term. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> so, this email comes from um, Yasin. Uh, and Yasin is somebody who works at uh, an organization that Tim used to work at. And I, when's this going out? So I currently, and I'm about to leave the organization. Um, so I won't be there from mid-January either. But anyway, Yasin is from there. So Yasin writes, Hi, Tim and Dan. Really hope you are both keeping well. Just wanted to share that I flipping love the podcast. Find it such a nice listen and really feel like I'm in the conversation with you. Your most recent podcast was brilliant. I think the openness and honesty you both share feels really warming. Something I would love to hear your thoughts about is regression when it comes to therapeutic change. I've been in therapy weekly for two and a half years on and off and really noticed certain aspects of myself feeling softer, more kind and gentle. I then noticed at times my inner critic being extremely loud with my fear being, what if I've done all this painful work on myself to just return to the version of me I wasn't so keen on before I started my therapeutic journey? The more critical and incongruent, Yasin. What are both of your thoughts on noticing regression in different areas of your sense of self and maintaining being gentle with yourself? Bit of a whopper of a question, I know. Love what you're both doing. And Tim, you're extremely missed, brother, more than you probably know. That uh, that's not my first time hearing that because Dan read it to me just now before we started recording, and uh, it made me so happy. And uh, Yasin is someone, and I, I'll speak directly to Yasin because I know he's listening. I just uh, it's just a really, really lovely, lovely guy to work with, and one of the people who I really, really miss from that organization. So, really made my day to hear that email oh. from him. I have had a lot of contact with Yasin at work and only the last month actually had a meeting with him and spoke to him and it was lovely. He was so lovely, lovely, lovely to meet him and yeah. and then get this email as well and had a bit of an email exchange with him following that email and that was lovely. Um, the email was beautiful, really. Thank you for all those lovely things you said in there. I'm glad that you feel part of the conversation. That's kind of probably yeah. one of our aims is to help like get people to kind of feel like they're part of this conversation that we're having. Um, yeah. And I love the question as well. I think there's a lot in there to unpack. I'm sure we could actually talk about that kind of regression and, uh, yeah, in different areas of your own life and sense of self and how you maintain being gentle or kind to yourself. I think there's a lot in that. And mm. we're going to by no means, I mean, I think I speak for both of us, but I don't think we'll have the answer to how you achieve that in a perfect no, way. Definitely not the answer, but definitely some empathy. I think both of us can relate to a lot of what, what Yasin said in that email. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, we also have another email. Should we, should we read both questions out and then kind of get talking about them? Um, go, for it, go for it. So this is from a lovely man named Jordan, um, who I actually don't know personally. He's somebody from America um, who got in touch after I put my 
other podcasts got on uh, got or whatever on hiatus and taken a little break from doing that podcast um and he very kindly emailed me with some nice words about it but he also listens to this podcast and in i won't read the whole email because a lot of it is quite personal but at one point he asks have you seen the movie inside out by pixar and that could be an interesting topic on joy story um, so I'm going to do a little, a little one of my recaps here, just to, in case people haven't seen Inside Out. But the the kind of premise of Inside Out is that you're kind of inside, uh, I don't know how old the girl is, 11 or 12 year old, inside her head. And her emotions are played by different characters. So there's a joy is one of the characters and anger and uh, I can't remember what they all are. Sadness, disgust, I think is one. Um, so they all, and it's kind of all about, the, the her emotions trying to create as good a life for them as possible but obviously interacting kind of interesting ways with each other um so have you seen the movie inside out by pixar uh i in the past have acted a lot like the character joy who's all about cheering people up focusing on the positive etc and there's a really moving moment in that movie with joy sadness and a childhood imaginary friend joy does her best to cheer up the imaginary friend without success and then sadness goes and just attends to his grief. And that is what allows him to move on. And Joy says something like, how did you do that? You were just sad with him and now he's happier. So Jordan just suggested that we might want to reflect on that. And um, yeah, that's uh, I, I know that scene and that's uh, it's a very powerful moving scene. So um, thank you, Jordan, for the question as well. That's um, I love the movie and I love a lot of the messages that the movie um tells and gives and um i've used that movie a lot actually in in certain like therapeutic environments and work with specific kids as mm. well to demonstrate a few different things but also that yeah like personally for me that movie um resonated a lot and i think it does some of that does relate to yasin's question and thoughts as well um mm. in terms of that I mean, just to kind of put a broad stroke out of there, but like that regression to a, if you're feeling, I don't know, if you've had like a good few months and then all of a sudden you have a really bad few days and you feel really sad um, and down or depressed or stressed or anxious or whatever it is, I think that can feel like regression. Yeah. And, oh, I've gone back to this place. Um, how do I move on from here? And um, I think like Jordan said in that, um clip from inside out that scene from inside out that yeah joy is kind of flabbergasted that all and i put all in inverted commas but like all that sadness has done is gone and tended someone that has been sad with somebody with mm. somebody being the important thing there and then they felt happier and um when you can be in that I'm speaking really broadly when I keep saying you, I mean, I'm going to own it. Like when, so when I feel like I'm in a really difficult space, whether that's distress or feeling unstable or unsettled or sad, I definitely can go very quickly into thinking I've gone back somewhere rather than I've kind of found myself here as a result of whatever's happening. But like, I, I feel like, I always feel like yeah, I've been like dragged back somewhere and I've regressed and it's a really difficult place to find yourself. And if there is someone like sadness around who can share with you or can come and tend to you in that moment, not try and tear you out of your moment or cheer you up with a joke or a smile or a let's go and do this thing to distract ourselves, but just really be with you. Yeah. Feeling for me, that's always the most powerful thing. And it doesn't like get rid of your sadness, but the fact you shared it with somebody, um, 
and it does lighten the load a little bit. You're not on your own with it, so you're not lonely in that sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that connection, more than anything, the connection with somebody else who is either empathising or just joining you in this kind of dark place, and then kind of taking their hand and, and walking. I think I spoke about this in terms of being a therapist before as well, but meeting someone in that dark place, holding their hand in that dark place, and hopefully leading them out the other end of that holding their hands and they might still have some of that darkness they're taking away. Yeah. But being connected and together with somebody. Um, and I will give some like specific examples of that, but I want to kind of give you a bit of space as well, Tim. To... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I really um, echo all of that. And um, I, well, as you know, cause we were talking about it before I hit record just now, I've, I've felt like um, kind of like how Yasin described this past month. I felt like, my anxiety has been more present this past month than it had been for a while before. Um, sometimes in ways that feel quite overwhelming. Um, and there have been moments where kind of where anxiety tips into panic. Um, and it is kind of easy and tempting to think in those moments, of, what was the point? What was the point of all of that? Like, you know, all of that therapy that I've done, you know, the, the medication I've taken, you know, all of this work on myself that I've done, what's the point of all of that stuff? If I'm still fucking feeling this way, do you know what I mean? I thought, I I thought that stuff was supposed to fix me. Um, and it's a really, I think, understandable, easy kind of response to have to kind of when you're feeling difficult emotions. Um, but I think, um, this is where my kind of, uh, I'm going to talk about this with my kind of spirituality language that I'm kind of used to that kind of comes naturally to me. There's a real tradition, certainly in, in, in my faith, but I think probably in, in all of the kind of big religions of finding God or finding life, you know, whatever label you want to put on it, let's, let's take, let's make it not religious by calling it life, joy, fulfillment, whatever it is, not by escaping the darkness, but by inhabiting the darkness, by feeling the whole breadth of human emotions, you know, from, you know, sadness to despair, you know, to panic, right the way up to joy, to peace, to comfort, to excitement, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, there's just this, this whole, I think I've spoken about it on the podcast before, so I won't make too big a deal of it, but there's, there's this tradition in, in lots of spiritual traditions of, learning to sit with where you are and feel it and live it and breathe it and recognize that progress doesn't mean not feeling that stuff anymore. It means feeling it. And I guess even maybe becoming less scared of it. Um, I'm just reminded of a poem that I want to read, but I'm going to Google it. So while I Google it, I can feel say free to jump in. I always, really, <laughs> I always feel really in awe of you when you have a reference like this to pull out of your brain. I know you're finding the actual poem now, but like that, that you're reminded of something like that, that is, yeah, I, I always feel a bit in awe and inspired by uh, things like that. Um, the, uh, the only thing I just wanted to add to what you just said was, um, yeah, kind of learning to be in the moment of something. And I think something that I've learned over the last few years is, knowing that what I'm feeling is in a permanent state as well. It's, yeah. it's, I know that now, most of the time when I'm 
drawn into a, some kind of place that feels really uncomfortable that I, I can know, okay, I'm going to sit in this. I know it's not permanent. I know it's going to shift. Uh, and that will be okay. And I can tolerate the pain of this moment. Yeah. For now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you found your poem? I have. Yeah. 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 Um, so this is by, um, a Sufi poet called Rumi. Sufism is a, is a branch of Islam, uh, a really just such a beautiful, peaceful, like religion, Sufism that, you know, that's where whirling dervishes come from. If you, if you've ever seen the picture of like the guy spinning around in what look like long dresses and tall hats. And it's all about getting this into this like transcendental state. Um, but a really beautiful religion. And this poet Sufi, I think, this is being written i don't have dates but i think if i remember right talking about four five hundred years ago he wrote this he writes this being human is a guest house every morning a new arrival a joy a depression a meanness some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor welcome and entertain them all even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture still treat each guest honorably he may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. I I mean, how ahead of his time was he, right? Yeah. Like that's like, you know, we talk, mindfulness is like such a buzz phrase now like within the past 10 years it's become a buzz phrase but here he was writing about this exact same thing hundreds of years ago i guess the buddha was talking about the same thing thousands of years ago um but i really i i come back to that often because i think this links to yasin's question i think progress for me is the ability to open my door to all of those different guests um so it's not progress doesn't look like having a guest full a guest house full of nice polite guests who wipe their feet when they come in progress means my ability as the like you know the innkeeper or whatever to welcome even really difficult negative violent you know whatever emotions and to not be scared of them so I'm really distrustful of any school of spirituality or psychology that says, you know, that progress looks like feeling happy and peaceful all of the time and joyful all of the time. Um, I think that's wrong. I think progress is feeling angry, feeling depressed, feeling sad and allowing it to be there, you know, not feeling like you need to nail your door shut because scary visitors might come in and, and tear everything down having the confidence to kind of face that stuff. Yeah. I do also think there's like a nuance and balance to, to some of this in that I, I completely agree with what you just said. Um, I also sometimes worry a little bit though, if we were talking about somebody who uh, was diagnosed with depression and was really struggling with that for a long time, I think um I'd hope I'd like to think what we are saying is not that I'll just welcome that in and kind of be, be, and I, I know that's not what mm. you were saying to him, but like, mm. cause I think sometimes like treatment and recovery from certain, I don't know, um, mental health, um, illness or wh- whatever with, whatever it is, you know, recovery and, and moving forward, probably some of the aim and goal of that is to feel less of the difficult 
monstrous, depressing, dark thing that you've got in your life. But knowing that that's never going to be vanquished, that's never going away completely. Yeah. Hopefully it reduces, maybe not even reduces, but like other things you build your capacity for Mm. um, so that there's more of a balance. So that when you are inviting those guests in or welcoming them in, there's enough room for everybody and that the only guests aren't the ones that haven't wiped their feet, the bastards. Um, <laughs> and um, that you've got a mix of people or a mix mm. of things in there. But um, I was talking to someone I was working with uh, last week about this. Um, and this person was saying they were starting to feel like they were losing the uh, empathy and compassion they had for some of their family members because they started to think of themselves a lot more and what they need in life. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to help them with this idea that it's this, you, your empathy and compassion for people, including yourselves, isn't this like finite little box. And that if your um, capacity for yourself to think about yourself is bigger, that everyone else is decreased because I think it's like, it's not finite. And I think you can build capacity all around that. And yeah. That, the amount you feel for your family can remain what it is, but you can also build this huge thing to go on next to it for yourself. And like, Oh, I've now increased my capacity to have compassion and warmth. And it now includes myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Kind of talking to you <laughs> about being gentle to yourself. I think it doesn't have to come at the cost of other people or other things. And that you, you can continue to build that compassion, that gentleness, the kindness to include it, to be about yourself or the people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sorry, I feel like I kind of meandered my way somewhere there. But um... No, no, it's good. I I mean, I'm just, and I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on this because I, I so I, I'm, I'm going to say something which is true of me personally, and I don't know whether it's generalizable or not. Um, but I would say for me, the, the things that I go to talk to my counselor about are anxiety for the most part, sometimes panic and occasionally depression. And I would say for me, those things are, if we're going to use the guest house metaphor or, or the, the, um, inside out metaphor, those things become much more powerful and toxic in my life as a result of me trying to kind of keep certain emotions out, Mm. you know, so that they're the, they're the result of me kind of nailing the door shut, you know, like I don't want this feeling and it's me pushing back against stuff that makes me start to feel anxious, panicky, depressed, whatever. Um, and the idea of living my life like a guest house or like the, you know, living according to the lessons that that brilliant movie inside out teaches is I will become less anxious and less depressed if I am less scared of allowing difficult feelings, difficult emotions into my guest house that yeah. if i if i stop fighting them they become less scary um, well, something interesting in that film do you know when it when it peeks into other people's minds now and again you'll see there's like um almost like a leader of the emotions in each person's head and joy is the mm-hmm. one in this girl's head when it goes into the dad's head i think it's anger yeah that leads it or someone else's head has got like they're all the same emotion kind of all like driving so i think yeah, like who yeah. is who is leading your like group of emotions. And I don't think that, again, I don't think that has to be static. 
Yeah. Um, and if you're on a difficult day, I don't know if you would say like, if so December was a particularly anxious month where the anxiety would have been leading that group of emotions for a lot of December. Yeah, completely. So, and yeah. you've got those other ones there, but like this one is kind of leading for now. Yeah. And then knowing that that can switch as well and someone else can come and take that driving seat for a bit. Yeah. Um, and it's all right if anxiety, you'd rather anxiety didn't come back and lead for a bit, but it probably will. Yeah. And yeah. Know yeah. that will happen and that these other ones are still there. And it's all that kind of balance and knowing it. Yeah. And I think not trying to kick them out of the driving seat or even the room, actually, the bigger room, the mind. Yeah. Um, and, and nail them out of that, I think. Um, so I think what Joy really struggles with in that film is why the other emotions are even there. Why do yes, they yes. That's right. That's right. And actually, I don't know if I'm, I, I'm, I might be misrepresenting the movie because I haven't seen it in a while, but anxiety isn't one of the characters in the head. Mm. And the emotion that represents anxiety the most is Joy, as I recall it because she's the one who's anxiously kind of going, no, no, this is, we should feel this way. We should feel happy. We should feel good. Um, and the other emotions seem to be less anxious than she is about how, how one should feel, how one ought to feel. It's um, fear. Sorry, it's fear, the other one. Oh, is fear, is fear one of them? Yeah, not anxiety, but fear, which I do think is different. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just thinking of a very different film. Uh, have you seen The Babadook? yes. So, um, spoiler alert, I'm going to spoil the end of Babadook here. So if you don't want to know how Babadook ends, then, uh, pause it and go watch it and then come back. Spoiler um, alert should have some kind of siren going off. Um, yeah, I don't think I've got anything nearby that I could use to, I could pull my cat's tail and see if she makes a noise, but I'd rather you did. It seems inhumane, doesn't it? Yeah, like, please don't do that. Um, so the Babadook is on the surface of it, a film about a woman whose house is haunted. Um, but actually it's a film about grief. It's a mm. woman who is processing her grief. She's, she's lost her, I think she's lost her husband. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, and the grief manifests itself as this kind of demonic kind of entity that haunts her house. And the more she fights the Babadook, the more powerful it becomes. So the more she resists it, the more she, you know, again, to use that metaphor, nails the door shut, the more, overwhelming this horrible frightening monster becomes and ultimately the film reconciles itself when she faces the babadook when she looks at it and decides to put her fear to one side and to stare this thing down and it culminates with the babadook having its own room in the house and her and her child going in to feed the babadook to give it food and to care for it and so it's this really powerful like like I say, on the surface of it, quite a scary horror movie, but actually the, it's so meaningful um, in terms of both of the questions that we've had today that yeah. when we when we try our hardest to not feel stuff, well, no, I don't want to feel that. That's a horrible feeling. You know, I must fight it. Otherwise, it would be a sign that I've kind of regressed or that I'm not making progress or whatever. Then the thing we don't want to feel becomes more and more and more powerful. And ultimately... The hope, and I, I absolutely don't want to say that this is easy because I've been in and out of therapy for 20 years and I still haven't got there. But the, the goal ultimately, I think, is to get to a point where we can go, oh, hi, fear. Do you know what I mean? Oh, hi, depression. Um, you're here today. That's okay. Make yourself at home. You know, bring it some food um, and to not be overwhelmed by it. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> I love that, and also aware of how difficult that is. Um, yeah, and I was trying to think of my version of that because I don't think I do that. I don't think I like welcome the difficult thing in and sit it down and say, "Come on, join." I don't know that I do all of that. I just want to circle back actually briefly. Just the, I think the Babadook is amazing. Uh, horror movies are probably more than anything like my favorite genre, which is weird because I think I go to fantasy and sci-fi a lot, but like mm-hmm. horror is like uh, in our house, like our go-to genre. And I love it because I think most horror films have that aspect of facing something uh, difficult in your life that is a really, I think they're really good metaphors most of the time when they're done well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. An example of that. Um, so yeah, I was trying to like have this image in my head of my inside out brain um, of emotions and which, what, what drives what at different times. Um, and I had an evening a couple of weeks ago. Well, I'd been told a really shitty message. Actually, I'd been told, in essence, it, it felt to me that I was being told that I was a problem um, that wasn't wanted anymore. And that is how I heard it. Those are the words I said, but that was how I heard it. And what that, that triggered a lot for me in terms of being a uh, a reason to a blame, to be blamed for bad things happening, mm-hmm. uh, which goes back to a lot of childhood stuff. Of like, oh, <coughs> bad stuff's happening. It must be my fault. I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, evening as a result of that i was left with uh fear anxiety panic worry stress and i was gonna say anxiety again but like maybe because that was a lot um, <laughs> anxiety 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 spam 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 with a mix of yeah sadness depression uh worry anxiety um and <laughs> did you mention anxiety I th- yeah um so perhaps anxiety was uh driving my emotional brain that evening but i didn't know what to do with myself and um i was walking from room to room in my house not knowing what to do with it feeling like i just i couldn't sit with it and i'm normally mm. quite good at sitting with what i'm feeling and because i had this overwhelming surge of uh emotion it was I don't get that that often. I, I feel a lot of things a lot of the time and people know me know that and I, I will sit with what I'm in and I know it will shift. But this was a, such a particular uh, fresh shit storm that I hadn't felt in a long time. I was like, I don't know what to do with this and I can't just sit with it because I don't know what it is, but it's panicking me. So mm-hmm. I moved from room to room, couldn't settle. I eventually found myself at my piano where I stayed for quite a long time um, my piano enables me to externalize something. Um, it doesn't get rid of what I'm feeling, but it allows me to express something, externalize it, make some sense of something. If I yeah. sit at the piano long enough and just play without thinking, eventually I'll land on the kind of music for how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that. You know, I landed on this. I kept playing this same piece of music that I just kind of came out of my brain or my fingers or whatever, and. I kept repeating it and repeating. I was like, no, right, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. Um, and it was a really sad thing. And then it turned into quite a, an angry thing. So I was kind of going between sadness and anger. So they were the things that ended up, although it was anxiety initially. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find that interesting, even that, actually, because I was saying anxiety a lot, wasn't I? And I think I can more comfortably sit in sadness and anger than I can anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so my, my piano, I find myself there. And that then enables me to, that process of doing that enables me to regulate myself. So I was able to regulate myself emotionally at that point. I was like, right, I've, I've boiled this down to what I'm feeling. I'm now, my heart rate slowed down. I'm feeling like warmer. I'm okay. My, I can breathe all right. Um, so I can I can now regulate and start to make some sense of how I'm feeling and, and yeah. think about what I now need and reach yeah. out for what I need from different people or places or whatever it is. Um, so in terms of like Yasin's question of like um, regression, that felt like regression initially to me, but it isn't. It's very much a result of where I'm at and the fact that I could manage it in that way and it not last a whole evening even, you know, and knowing it will shift. And that's how I'd be kind to myself. I go and do things that are going to enable, enable me to share, to regulate. To, mm-hmm. And th- when you were saying about having a conversation, almost like having a conversation with yourself, I think, was that before we started recording? <laughs> mm, I'm not sure what, what you mean. I can't remember Sorry, what, just, what I know, said. So when you have a difficult thought or feeling, be able to say, oh, hi, that oh no yeah that was just now yeah yeah that was, we were recording i've lost all concept of time <laughs> um, i apologize um but yeah doing that and be able to say, oh hi like anger or stuff this is all right i know i'm feeling this now i know it's going to shift as well i don't know where it'll shift yeah. to or when but i know it will this isn't a permanent state um and have that almost like conversation with my self and, and accept it and yeah that's the progression and not regression is knowing knowing all of that and if it yeah. was regression I'd be going back a few years and doing this whole few years again and I might have said this a number of times but through recovery for myself from an eating disorder like the number one lesson I took from all of my treatment through that is not going back somewhere it's moving forward somewhere and when I initially started treatment I was always saying I want to get back to where I was when I was like able to do this and do that. Mm. And do this. I want to get back. I want to get back and slowly be able to shift that. I said, no, because going back will only get me back to where I am now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's going forward with something. Yeah. Um, that's progression to me and not regression is that I won't now sit in something so difficult and say, I want to get back to where I was feeling before this. No, I'm going to move forward through it. Yeah. It's the only way out of it is through it. Yeah. Um, I find myself in these like clouds of words. No, 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 no. I think, I think you're, you're, yeah, you're touching on something that I'm finding really, really helpful to hear, which is, um, I think we can think of it as binary. We can think of feeling nice is a sign of progress and feeling bad is a sign of regression. Mm -hmm. And so there's only, you can only go one way or the other. You're either making progress towards feeling good or you're regressing towards feeling bad. But actually I like the idea that almost like the end goal of progress is an unknown. Mm. We don't know what it's, I I don't know who I'm going to emerge to be at the end of this because it's something new. It's not going to be who I was before I had anxiety. It's not going to be who I was before I had this particular moment, this panic attack, you know, like something new is going to emerge and progress involves going through um anxiety depression panic uh you know the recurrence of an eating disorder you know whatever flashbacks whatever it is you go you go through them as well as moments of real joy moments of real elation moments of real hope you know and it 
but that's still you're still progressing through those things through those different things it's not like a zero one one like like a binary thing where you're like oh no now i'm going back to how i was feeling yesterday that means i've gone backwards it's no, this is just another thing that you're going through and what will emerge who knows that who knows that i think might be the scary thing of progress for people is not knowing like where you're going or where you're going to be what you're going to feel because although we don't we like to think we don't want to regress or go back to i don't know a scary uncomfortable place those places can also feel quite safe and familiar yeah so we can find ourselves back sometimes in difficult places because they are familiar even if they're almost like self-harming or don't offer us any kind of soothing or, or, yeah. or unhealthy. We can go back there because it's what we're familiar with and we can almost have a sense of control about it. Um, and yeah, that it's difficult because you can be drawn to that and mm. going through it, like you've just been saying into something unknown can be, yeah, scary. It's unfamiliar. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, I can't even remember when this came out, but the movie Madagascar, when, mm-hmm. whenever that came out, I went to go see that in the cinema. Um, and there was a, there's a moment in it. I can't even remember the movie. It's such a, like such a long time ago, but there's a moment in it where one of the characters, when everything's going to shit around, around them gets trapped somehow, gets trapped in like a cage or something like that and can't get out of the cage. And I remember while I was watching it in the cinema, my emotional response to that character being trapped in a cage was like, Oh, good. Yeah, stay there because you're safe there. You should stay in the cage. That's a good, safe place to be. And I like, I I clocked myself thinking that, and I was like, "Well, shit, I'm I'm unwell." <laughs> like that's that's a weird thought to have, isn't it? Um, but I think that's what you like. Yeah. Actually, um, yeah, going going back to the familiarity of depression or anxiety or whatever can almost be quite a comforting thing. Um, yeah. Because it's like, well, at least I've been here before, you know, better the devil, you know. Well, um, I think you can fall into like known habits and behaviors, even without thinking about them, because it's comforting, even if it was a really horrendous time. I know, like, so sometimes what I'll do very rarely with food, actually, but um, recently I found myself having a bowl of cereal for lunch. I have bowls of cereal every morning for breakfast and I found myself having a bowl of cereal for lunch and it, was, it didn't feel like there was any issue with that. And actually, like, as I was thinking about it, I was like, I, I fall into this. Because that's a, it's a, it's it was an unhealthy kind of dangerous time for me as a kid, but like it's a familiar place where I would kind of survive on cereal and other that mm. kind of it really like self sustaining uh, way of being a kid then. But I, I will clock things like that and be like, oh okay, I, I might not have thought or felt anything, but I've done something yeah. that, that feels like it means <clears throat> something here. Now, yeah. what's gone on to make me do the thing? So sometimes for me, I can fall into a behavior before I've even had a thought or an emotion about it. Um, and those things are all interlinked, you know, thought, emotion, behavior, all like this little triangle of things. But sometimes for me, I can find myself in a behavior and then have to yeah. unpack the thought and the emotion. But more yeah, often yeah, than yeah. not, I will be having, more often than not, I'll, I'll have the thought or emotion first and be aware of it. But it can be times where a behavior emerges first. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I just wonder if the maybe another analogy we could use is going on a long distance flight and hitting some turbulence. And let's say you're traveling from, I don't know, London Heathrow to LAX and you hit some turbulence just over London. 
And then later on on the flight, as you're flying over New York or whatever, you hit some turbulence again. And the kind of language of um, uh, regression would almost make you feel like, oh, fuck, we're back over London. We've got yeah. to do this whole thing over again. How have we gone back to London? Yeah. But actually, you're not. You've still made progress. You're just hitting another bit of turbulence. And the turbulence, there's nothing you can do about it. It's nature. It will, turbulence will always happen. It will always come, and it will always come when you don't expect it. And yeah. I guess progress is learning to navigate through the turbulence, right? Like I like that. Hi, turbulence. Hi. Yeah, hi, <laughs> turbulence. Yeah, exactly. And then, actually, it's it's – it's an even better analogy because there are some moments of turbulence where it's like, shit, this turbulence is properly scary. Like this isn't like the mild turbulence that we had back there. This is really like, this feels dangerous. I, like we need some help here. Um, and there'll be some turbulence that you just go, Oh, I know what this is. I don't worry. I can handle this. I'll be all right in a minute. Um, and I, yeah, like I say, I guess progress is like learning to be a better pilot and learning to face, increasingly difficult levels of turbulence maybe i do like that analogy and if i like the thought that it fits that yeah not going back somewhere it's moving forwards um wherever you're moving forwards to um going back is never going to be the the answer to anything i don't think yeah um no i don't think so i'm trying to think think of a way where that would ever fit you know you get all this like make america great again and like the the like all these crappy political things you hear about this country as well of course and just there's never a way where it it fits or works to think let's go back somewhere yeah 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 i think i mean let's not make this a political podcast but that i i it's really interesting that i would say we've entered into a like political landscape which is all about regression and looking backwards And within my lifetime, we've had leaders which paint a vision of the future. Do you know what I mean? Like whether you like them or not, but people like Obama did it. I think Tony Blair did it. People like that who, you know, they get a real like, yeah, look what we could be. Look what we could be. Whereas we're in politically a landscape at the moment. Let's say certainly in this country, I think in America too, let's maybe in the West, which is all about as better in the seventies, wasn't it? Let's go back to how it was then in the seventies. Yeah. And actually on a political level, as well as on a personal emotional level, that's clearly bullshit because there's a reason why it's not the seventies anymore. Yeah. That didn't, th- there's a reason why we moved on from that. But, um, but also Tim, there's a reason why politics like that and society is like, it ends up being like recycled back and back because like people do go back there and then you end up back where we are again now in 30 years. Or yeah. years. And that's why it just ends up like that all the time. Yeah. Because like, yeah. Don't, go, don't go back, like go. Yeah forwards to something and it can incorporate lessons learned from history yeah but it doesn't have to be what it was and um yeah you're always going to end up where you are if you go back yeah um but but it comes back to that thing about the past being comfortable like clearly the 70s were on pretty much every measurable uh, like measure (laughs) worse than where where we are now but for people who lived in the 70s there's some comfort there, you know, back when our passports were blue and, you know, <laughs> things, things were different, you know, things were easier than we didn't have all this technology that we didn't understand. We didn't have this virus that we didn't understand, all that kind of stuff. And I think emotionally that that idea of going back to a safe place is kind of the same. Like, clearly that wasn't a good place for you because it didn't work. But now is, you know, maybe what you're going through now is scary and that's why you feel yeah. like you want to go back. Well, nostalgia is a fucker because... Yeah. 
it can feel nice to think nostalgically. Yeah. But nostalgia makes you want to get, go back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the only place it really lands. Like you just like, what? Well, that's right. I, this really warm feeling of like, so when I think about like, Oh, I love the nineties cause I love the music in the nineties. And the, actually like the nineties was pretty shit for me as a kid. And like maybe for a yeah. lot of people as well. I don't want to go yeah. back there. Like I just, but I do love some things from the nineties that I can move forward with like uh, now. Um, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Let's not go back there, please. Yeah. Um, Judge John Hodgman, one of my favorite podcasts where the name of my other podcast, God or whatever comes from. Um, one of his little matters of settled law in their court is that nostalgia is the most toxic of all impulses because it tells you that things were better in the past, um, yeah. which is not it's the case. It's horseshit. Yeah. I'm just, in front of me, I, I'm on my wall. I, I have my um, ending letter from my therapist from eating disorder recovery, and I always keep it here because it's such a lovely reminder of something in terms of like looking back. Um, but there's a she put a couple of quotes on there from as we've been talking about Inside Out. She put three quotes on here from uh, Disney Pixar movies uh, right. for me to remember. Um, and out of context, I don't know. People might not like completely understand them, but. Um, the, the, the one I really like is from Edna Mode and the Incredibles. Oh, yeah. Um, and the, I was going to try and do her voice then, but I'm not going to. Uh, <laughs> uh, the quote is, I never look back, darling. It distracts me from the now. Um, yeah. And there's something I really like, because I, I mean, I do look back. I do look at my history and all this. But like, I think there's something really interesting in that not going back thing. Don't look back, darling. It's we're in, we're in the now and the moving forwards. Yeah. Um, the other one I wanted to read, where is it? Uh, so this is from Brave. You control your destiny. You don't need magic to do it. And there are no magical shortcuts to solving your problems. Mm. Um, in a film that's about magic as well, if you've seen yeah, it, yeah. is a yeah. really interesting quote, I think. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure how much I believe in kind of you control your destiny, but like you make decisions for yourself and you can drive things in particular ways. But yeah, there's no magic answer. There's no right. Let's just listen to joy and go with joy. There's there's, yeah, there's yeah. all of these different um, emotions, thoughts, feelings, processes, people. Just this balance of things. We've had quite a number of analogies and metaphors today. Yeah, we have. We have <laughs> lots of analogies and metaphors and movie quotes in this podcast. So I won't. I won't bring in another. <laughs> <laughs> well. I am conscious that we've been going for just over an hour. Yeah. Um, so I wonder whether we uh, need to begin to wrap that conversation up and move on to our little moments of joy. Um, I, is it, it, but, but I don't want to just want to cut it off cold there. I think, um, yeah, is there anything that still to say? Um, probably, but I think we can hold those questions and conversations in mind and bring them into future conversations. Cause I think the idea of regression and being kind to yourself and the idea of the inside out stuff and sitting with different emotions, I think those will mm. help us contextualize future conversations as well. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Is there anything else you'd want to add? No, I don't think so. I think I've said everything I would want to say. Then I won't even bring it back up in future conversations. That's it. That's it. Done. Shut down. We don't look back into this. Problem solved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we should charge for this. So with that in mind, cue uh, non-rip-off-y theme music for Joy Stories. But um, <laughs> fuck off, Disney Pixar. Even though we've quoted you quite a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of we've quoted your really excellent movies quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
So, Tim, what would be your joy story from the last month? Um, well, I've got I've got two, if I may. Is if that... you're having two, I'm having two. Okay, fine. I, I think, think I know what one of yours will be, but go on. Okay, okay. Well, you can tell me if you were right or not. Um, so I've got... Um, well, I was going to say one silly one and one real one, but actually they're both really real. Um, one was an incident at the hospital uh, a little while ago. Um, I was feeling very anxious on, I was working on a Sunday morning and feeling very anxious um, in the hospital and really feeling like I'm not really up for going around and visiting people because I don't feel very chaplainly myself um, at the moment. I feel quite like I just want to retreat into a cave. Um, but I have a job to do that I'm paid to do. So I went and, and did what I'm supposed to do and brought communion to a few ladies who were on one of the uh, wards. Um, and the I was going to bring it to them separately, but it turned out they were right next to each other. So I thought, well, we'll do it. We'll do it at the same time. We'll do it all together because that's kind of communion. Is you know, you commune with each other. That's kind of the point. So I printed out some little orders of services and gave it to them, and then we did this little communion service. And I asked uh, one of the ladies um, if she had like a favorite Bible reading or whatever when it came to the kind of reading passage, and she said, "Oh yeah, could you read um, this particular passage?" Um, and it was a passage that I realized as I was reading it, that it was the first Sunday in Advent. And the passage was all about the people have walked in darkness, but there is a great light that's coming. There is a, there is a hope that's coming, but I won't, I'm paraphrasing absolutely, but, um, it's basically this whole thing about, you know, just things are going to be okay. It's going to be okay. This is not the end of the story. And there's one phrase in, 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 in particular that says, and again, I'm paraphrasing, that the the boots that were used for war and the blood-stained garments will be burnt as fuel. In other words, we've seen the end of war. Um, and I was thinking the, the PPE that we have to wear in hospital to protect ourselves from each other in COVID will be burnt as fuel. There will come a day when we're not doing this shit anymore. Um, and it was just a really, while I was reading it, I started to well up. And then I realized that the two patients I was talking to were also welling up. And it was just a real, you know, I know that this isn't, uh, I'm not going to get all kind of religious-y, but for me, it was a real like, yeah, shit. Yeah. I believe this. This is, this is what it's all about for me. This is what Christmas is all about for me. You know, like the idea that this isn't the end of the story, that there's light that's still on its way. You know, like if, if it feels dark at the moment, that's just because the light hasn't arrived yet, but it's coming. It is coming. Um, and it was a real, like, I haven't felt very festive this year, but in terms of my faith, I felt closer to it than ever before because being in the hospital, being in that context has been really, really very powerful for me. Um, so that was a real profound joy moment for me. That's lovely, man. And the other one. Can I predict your other one? Go on. I'm just going to, I feel like I might have it wrong now, but. Um... Yeah, you nailed it. Dan's holding up a sign. Spider-Man. Spider-Man <laughs> No Way Home. Fuck me. What a movie. I, I, honestly, I can't remember having gone to the cinema and smiled so much throughout. And I can't, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm not going to say anything about the movie, but it's like, it's like somebody went back in time and asked seven year old me, what would you like from a Spider-Man movie? And seven year old me just made a list of everything I'd want from a Spider-Man movie. And they were like, okay, cool. We'll do it for you. Just wait 30 years. Um, and they just did it. And it was like, and 
the, actually sitting in the cinema was part of the experience because there are several moments in it where the whole cinema clapped. Yes. Yeah. Like just a real, like just the, you could feel the excitement. And there's a few moments where like, maybe something was about to be revealed and you could feel like the energy in the cinema, like static electricity, like, Oh my God, Oh my God. Is that gonna... Oh my God. It is. Oh my God. Like just this, like, Oh man, it was just what an experience. And I went with my friend Lenny and there's several moments where I like turned and I was like hitting him on the shoulder. Like, yes, look, they've done it. Honestly, like it, the the past few times this month when I felt a little bit down, anxious or depressed or whatever, I've actually thought of that moment and been like, yeah, I mean, if even if that moment only comes once every few years, life is worth living for those moments. That was like such a buzz, such a high. Um, it feels weird shilling out for Marvel, Disney, these huge corporation that's, you know, a multi-billion international corporation, but God damn, they just did it, you know? Like, it's absolutely 10 out of 10. So I love the energy you've got whilst you're speaking about this. And, like, you've come alive talking about this. And I would definitely share in that with you as well, that that movie. And um, I almost, though, like, feel sorry for younger people who watch that film without, again, giving anything away. Because I I think it was built for our generation. Yes, yes, like 100%. you, You have to have watched and consumed certain media from the last 25 years to fully appreciate and for that to land in the way that it lands. Yeah. Well, we can, because it's in the trailer, there's no spoiler in saying that villains from previous Spider-Man movies, which, you know, to all appearances were dead and buried, you know, they'd been rebooted, that was gone, you know, we've seen the end of that particular version of Dr. Octopus or whatever. And we know, you know, it's not a spoiler because it's in the trailer. Some of those characters come back and the way they do it just... And the, like the the heartfelt bits as well. Like there's yeah. a few moments where like, like I was joking with my friend Lenny as we were going in about people who cry at Marvel movies. And I was saying, honestly, if you cry at Marvel movies, what's wrong with you? I cried three times. Like it just hit all the like, Ooh. it really like impacted me. I I don't think you're going to be able to tell me which three times now because of spoilers. No, I can't. Yeah, because I think I got teary like twice. I suspect one of them will be the same. Um, I'll tell you afterwards when we're not recording. Okay. But what... I, do you know what I love is it's become... I, I can't be wrong, which it's, it's earning all the money in the world, and rightly so. Yeah. And, yeah. like, it's become this event movie in, in a way that I didn't see coming from... Yeah. Again, actually, at the cinema for a long, long time because of COVID and everything. Yeah. And it's become this event movie uh, in such a... I just... I love that it's... that. It's Spider-Man as well that's become this thing. Yeah. Um, and it... Because it, it almost verges a few times on this could be really shit if they just cross this line a little bit too much. And they never yeah, yeah, do. Yeah. They never yeah. do. Yeah. They just walk it so finely. Yeah. It just is almost a perfect movie, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, it's not a perfect movie, but it is my favorite. Yeah. Spider-Man movie, superhero movie, maybe, maybe my favorite movie. I don't know. Could it push Jurassic Park off the top? I don't know, but it's, it's close. It's really close. Like if you, if you put Jurassic Park or Spider-Man No Way Home in front of me, I'd want to watch Spider-Man No Way Home right now. Yeah. But I don't know that the feeling of being, 11 years old, 10 years old, 10 years old watching Jurassic Park 
yeah. the first time in cinema. I don't think anything is ever going to give me that feeling yeah. in that same way. Well, and that's the, the test is once I've calmed down, <laughs> which I'm still waiting to happen, you know, three weeks after I haven't seen it. Yeah. Will I still will, like when I see it at home on the small screen by myself, not in a room full of cheering people, will I love it as much as I did in the cinema? Who knows? We'll see. Um, you know what's interesting about this month is that two movies were coming out that I knew were going to do like this kind of nostalgic thing and reframe things for how things are now. And I was way more excited for one of them than the other. One was Spider-Man No Way Home and one was Matrix Resurrections. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was super excited for Matrix Resurrections, like beyond excited. Oh, really? More excited about that than Spider-Man? Yes, yes. Um, Without a doubt. Uh, And the flip of how I experienced both of those movies. Right. Um, So I was quite pleased I went into Spider-Man No Way Home with like kind of... Because I loved the previous two, like with Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I loved them. Yeah. But they were just kind of like, yeah, I could take more of this. I enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So I went in with that um, and then was just blown away. And Matrix Resurrections, I went in with such high expectations and I came out so deflated. Really, really. I haven't even seen it and I'm not, I'm not sure if I will. I mean, I'll probably see it at some point when it comes out, but like I said to my friend after Spider-Man, because it was just as Omicron was beginning to rear its head. I said, if I've caught COVID watching this movie, it will be worth it. Matrix, I'm thinking, I don't want to go because I don't want to catch COVID. See, like, it, would, it, it would have been for me if it was what I thought it was going to be, I guess. Um, I think the Matrix one depends on your enjoyment of the first three. Uh, yeah. And I love the three of them. Right, right, right. And it isn't those three. So I think if you weren't a fan of the sequels, which most people weren't, you'll probably yeah. enjoy it quite a lot. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll enjoy it more than you did then, because I wasn't a fan of the sequels. Probably. Um, anyway, sorry, I've kind of hijacked your own joy story. There. No, well, that, I was about to ask whether, because obviously you've got just as excited as I have about it. I was going to ask whether that was the same as yours, or if you got two different joy stories. I've got different ones, actually, but that could... Do you know what? I think I could have like five or six equal ones for this last month. Okay. Um, I'm not going to do five or six. I was going to say, we don't have a huge amount of time, don't do. I mean, it's not just time. It's also, <laughs> does anyone actually give a shit about five or six? Because <laughs> I suspect not. Um, so the first one I'll go with, um, and this wasn't actually in December, but it was since we last recorded, because we recorded, what, like mid-November last time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. about so, then, yeah. So I know I've mentioned a few times I've been to this hip-hop dance class this year, and my begging and begging and begging in that class to do something Spice Girls. Um, oh, yeah. The, the instructor, the teacher, did a Spice Girls routine for us for two weeks. And the energy that I went into those classes with, I think, I almost wish it had been video, just my level of energy, because it was. I feel like I was like literally bouncing off the walls. And I don't like it when people say the word literally when they're not actually doing the thing. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah feel like I was bouncing like yeah. nonstop throughout these classes. I was so excited. And what song was it? It was a mix uh, of uh, right. uh, Wannabe and Spice Up Your Life. Nice. So it was classics. If you watched the Olympics 2012 closing ceremony, they did this mix and it was that. Um, oh, right. Okay. Okay. So, and we had to pretend we were at like Wembley and jumping up from under the stage and like, um, cool. And they took this photo with me that I didn't know they were taking that really captures this like joy I was feeling um, in the class. And 
it was just I was so so excited. That's awesome, man! And just couldn't contain that kind of. It was just brilliant, and I yeah yeah will never forget that. It was just wonderful. That's really cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, and in terms of the second one, I mean, it could easily be Spider Man, but the second one I think will be a combination of a few things. And I hope this doesn't sound like cheating, but in a in a month of a lot of difficulty and difficult messages and difficult stuff going on, there were a few things that brought me joy within the difficulty um that I just want to quickly mention um one of them is friendship and uh I've got three examples of that really quickly first was meeting you in real life Tim and I know that was like the last podcast but meeting mm-hmm. you at this during this time of difficult stuff that's going on yeah, I was awesome. like thrilled meeting you in real life I really um I just love like remembering back to going and meeting you that day actually. And, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's like, a good memory. Yeah, no, it is. I look forward to seeing you again. Um, Definitely. Uh, and then uh, my friend Tom has been checking in on me a lot the last few weeks, especially, and I just really treasured that and how he's uh, been making sure I'm well, not just making sure I'm okay, but just checking how I am really and just kind of yeah. being alongside me. And equally, uh, my friend Phil um has been an absolute superstar through it and being alongside me in difficult times and i hope i have alongside him as well but so that kind of those that friendship of uh people through these really difficult times has really got me through also within that difficult time i had a week where i had three job interviews and i got offered three jobs Um, that was a really needed feeling that week of feeling like some affirmation and some like oh i'm not problem people want me and like yeah. I'm, I'm good at what i do and uh so yeah i'll be starting some new jobs in january which i'm thrilled and excited about well because hold on because you said you were offered three new jobs what you haven't told the listeners is that you've accepted all three of them I have <laughs> right three of them. i found a way of fitting three into into a working week so i'm not exceeding like hours i'm doing a normal working week but um with three different jobs and i they're all mega exciting jobs um and i cannot wait to to start them uh, in january yeah that's cool man so you've gone from one full-time job to three part-time jobs that's uh that's going to be a huge transition and it's but a- i'm really excited for you it's awesome Thanks. they sound like awesome jobs so we won't talk about them on the podcast but from what you've told me about them they sound brilliant and like you will be brilliant at them as well Thanks so much, man. That means a lot. Um, and I, yeah, I, I hope so. And um, I can't wait to start them. So yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, it's the Spice Girls routine and then uh, friendship and lovely messages in the times of really difficult adversity, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. Well, here ends another episode of Joy Story. With Tim and this other dude with um dr timothy simon leeson simon brackets ma brackets yeah, ba ons so i just thought it was dr sleeson yeah that's where the essence leeson comes from well i gathered that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're going for initials after names um no i won't but i'm not that pretentious i won't i won't go what's your middle name john so dj mills de bell that's an awesome name. You should call yourself that. DJ Mills DeBell. You think I should? Yeah. Yeah. DJ MD. DJ. DJ MD. Holy shit. That's a, that's a really cool name. And it's real. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you're hip hop dance class, that should be your like performing name. DJ MD. 
Yeah. Yeah. And well, just never tell anyone like um Zendaya or whatever, like just never tell anyone what your full name is. Well I like M D as well because it's also stands for musical director, so I quite like that. Um Yeah. And DJ M D, yeah. So this has been Joy Story with Dr. Timothy Simon Leeson and DJ MD. Oh, now mine sounds shit. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Well, um, do we want to do our little oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. wrapping up in unison thing? So don't you, forget, dear listeners, you that you've got, got a, a friend, friend in, in Nice. 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 Alright, peace out. Peace out.